Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Seasons eatings to you. We are celebrating the season, no doubt with fabulous food and fine wines, so please stay tuned because we have a full plate today. This show is radio's answer to culinary conversation and inspiration. I'm all about the culture of food and living the best life. And so every week we celebrate food and its ability to feed your soul. I talk on food, wine, mixology, cocktails, and more, trends, travel, health, the environment, And if you love to cook or love to eat, you are bound to find something that you will love on this show. So I hope you'll take your cooking skills to the next level just by staying tuned as it is my goal to satiate your appetite. And I hope that you'll check out chefjamie.com for features, recipes, cooking videos, and more. And follow on social at Chef Jamie Gwen where you'll find my daily dish. We are heating it up in your radio with grand guests this hour, chef's tips to make your dishes come alive with flavor, because it is all about the flavor, right? We're going to fill our glasses a little later on in the hour with a female vintner who is paving a trail in the wine world, uh, and it's quite a story, so please stay tuned. Also, we're going to dish on the best of seasonal produce. And we are all about the gratin. You're going to master that bubbly, cheesy goodness. So don't touch your dial. But first, I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts. And it's always to make you the best cook you know. But maybe you are already the best cook you know. And a gift of food this holiday season there might be nothing better. I welcome your suggestions for thoughtful conversation. You can always email me, jamie at chefjamie.com, if there's a topic you'd like me to dish on. But I received a lovely note from Raymond who asked about homemade gifts for the holidays. And I thought it was not only a thoughtful note, but a wonderfully thoughtful most importantly, edible way to make someone's holiday. And so when it comes to holiday gifts, of course, there's not much money can't buy. Uh, But a trip to the grocery store, a couple of hours in the kitchen, and you can make an impressive pile of presents. And I think there's something really heartwarming about the labor of love. Even if it's just a small uh, host or hostess gift, it might be far more unique and delicious than store-bought. It's beautifully paired with a glass of wine or maybe a, a bottle of your friend or family's favorite liquor. And you can get crafty and kind of beautiful with it. And it's always something I think that gets talked about as well. So shall we commence in the gift giving? These are my best ideas for holiday gifts of food. Now, if you do follow on social, I hope that you saw, I make a homemade orange liqueur. I started on December 1st of every year. Sometimes I swap it out with homemade Kahlua, by the way, but you're not too late. You need about three to four weeks to really beautifully infuse 
liquors or liqueurs underneath the sink in a big glass jar, but go to chefjamie.com and you'll get the recipe for my orange liqueur. You can actually steep for about two weeks and then bottle mason jars, just think Christmas ribbon, and then give the gift with a small note or a note card that gives instructions to the receiver as to um, let this age another week or two and ring in the new year with orange liqueur, homemade by the way. But there's lots of other ways to create a gift of food, one that is fully made or another that might be a DIY. So, I have some delicious ideas that I think will make you a culinary hero. And an edible gift, by the way, is always devoured. Let's say you're going to a holiday party. Um, You don't have to wait for the invite. Uh, Just, you know, welcome yourself as far as I'm concerned. And offer to bring um, a kit of sorts that will make the party thrillingly alive. And that is, I like to bring a winter sangria kit. So it's also a gorgeous host or hostess gift, but you take all the components of a winter sangria, um, you buy a large glass pitcher or jug, you put in a bottle of red wine, a bag of cranberries, a couple of apples, some fresh rosemary, you tie a big bow around it and you have the making of winter sangria. Now you can also make homemade extracts for the um, baking aficionado in your life. I'll tell you a homemade vanilla extract is a beautiful gift of food. You split a few vanilla beans in half using a sharp paring knife and you expose those vanilla seeds on the inside of the pod, right? And you put them into a beautiful glass bottle and you add bourbon to cover And then you store it in a dry place and then gift it at the holidays. Every few days, by the way, I tilt the bottles to mix the liquid inside. And that vanilla bean will infuse into the bourbon. If you're not a bourbon fan, you can make a more neutral vanilla extract, by the way, by using vodka if you prefer. And after just a few weeks, you have homemade vanilla extract. Now you can do this with citrus as well, orange extract, lemon extract. It's just the thin strips of zest from the orange or the lemon with as little pith as possible. Uh, And that I use vodka for to create an extract. Again, just a few weeks later, you have this beautiful, homemade, thoughtful infusion. And then of course, you could always consider like hot cocoa mix or a cookie recipe broken down into a jar. Um, I layer my sweet mixes in one quart mason jars. You press each layer firmly. Like for instance, I do a candied ginger chocolate chip cookie. So you use a one quart mason jar and you layer the ingredients in the order listed You start with sugar, then I press in diced candied ginger, then I do chocolate chips, brown sugar, and the dry mix, which is all-purpose flour, baking soda, and salt, and you attach the recipe to the jar. You tell the recipient, empty the cookie mix into a mixing bowl, add one and a half sticks of unsalted butter, one egg, and a teaspoon of vanilla, roll the mixture into balls and bake at 350 for 12 minutes. Voila, homemade cookies. (laughs) It really is a wonderful way to share recipes and to share the sweet stuff. You can do it with peanut butter cookies. I make pecan brownies. Oh, there's a a whole slew of gifts of food that are beautifully giftable. 
Maybe you want to make your famous snack mix or granola. Uh, maybe you want to gift uh, homemade pickles with lots of mustard seeds and garlic cloves in the jar. Um, you can always make homemade crackers or um, spiced or candied nuts. Uh, an olive tapenade or components to a charcuterie board are a beautiful way to gift a gift of food. And the top recipe for a homemade gift of food this year, as um, forecasted, by the way, by, I think it was Pop Sugar, was spicy chili crisp. It is good on just about everything. And if you haven't attempted to make it yourself, I have a glorious recipe, homemade spicy chili crisp, uh, cookie jar uh, creations, I'll call them, homemade extracts, beautiful homemade kitchen sink liqueurs, as I call them, I'll gladly share the recipes. My gifts of food are now posted at chefjamie.com, and I hope you'll check it out. And here's wishing you a delicious season. Thank you, Raymond, so much for the inspiration. All right, it's time for food news this week. That's what I call food you can use. Heinz just announced a new ketchup flavor. That's right. And if you're a pickle fan, well, then it's your day. Heinz is marrying the classic flavor of its original ketchup with the added tang of pickles. And I had a chance to taste a sneak peek or a sneak taste. I guess it's a marriage I think was made in heaven. I didn't know I needed until now. Just in time for National Pickle Day, uh, but it won't be available in the U.S. until the beginning of 2024. Mark my word, you heard it here first. And it should be quite delicious. So get your hands on some because I'll tell you the sneak peek taste that I got um, was just darn good. And coming up, we're building on fabulous flavor. We are making grand gratins with a grand blogger. He is David Leet. And of course, um, often contributing to this show to my delight of Elsie Cooks, or as you know, at LeetsCulinaria.com, the top food blog, 25 years running. David Leet is here, and we are about to indulge in some comfort food. Don't touch your dial, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio. We'll be right back. Life, create, and savor yours. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio. Winter is in full swing, and comfort food is on the menu. And a gratin is defined by the culinary technique in which ingredients are topped with a browned crust, grated cheese, sometimes eggs, maybe butter, but they're homey and rich and 
comforting and delicious and oh perfect right about now, but what kind of gratin should we make? Well, David Leet to the rescue. My friend David Leet is a three-time James Beard award-winning food writer and the founder of LeetsCulinaria.com, LCCooks.com, where he shares hot food and dry wit. He's also an award-winning author of the new Portuguese table and his memoir notes on a banana. And he's an expert on many things. You know him and love him for his 25 plus years successful blog. And I'm very proud to have him as a culinary contributor to this show. He is back with delicious inspiration. I got tongue tied because I just saw that glorious gratin at LC Cooks. Wait, are you really making French onion potato gratin? Oh, yes. I really am. <laughs> I really am making French onion potato gratin. I, it's, it's an amazing dish, and it's so simple. But, you know, I never thought of it. I thought, this is a great idea. Fabulous. And so I whipped up the recipe. Brilliant. I'm very glad to have you here, David. Thank you. And I'm well, very glad you're dishing. Pleasure. Happy holidays. And thank you for a year's worth of insight and inspiration and camaraderie and friendship. I am truly grateful to have you as part of this show. You are more than welcome talking to you with the highlight of my month. Well, thank you. And ongoing. So you're already committed to January. You just don't know it. Um, With with that said, (laughs) there is something special about a gratin. And I think there's something beautiful about the simplicity of it. But mm-hmm. we should start at the beginning and talk about the base and beyond because yeah. it's not okay. always potato, right? No, I think potato is where everyone starts at. Right. And I think very few things can beat a really good gratin uh, made with potato. But there are a lot of other things you can make uh, in a gratin with. Uh, celery root is a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, venue for a gratin. That's a nice idea. Cauliflower, Yes. Yeah, and then there's, you can use, uh, like, endive Mm. is a wonderful (gasps) one. I love endive. Broccoli and blue cheese is a really great one. Yes. Spinach, you know, basically, like, baked spinach mornay is kind of like a casserole in a certain sense. That's true. All the same ingredients, but it's, there's not potatoes. And uh, my favorite one, one of my favorite ones is fennel. Fennel Mm. and potato, I think it did that slight um, licorice flavor. Yeah, the anise. And the even though it gets soft in there, the fennel is firmer than the potatoes. You have creamy, a little bit of a Texture. crunch. And it's just a wonderful combination. There's so many wonderful things you can put in there. And so you do need some creamy base. You need some structured, uh, most often vegetable. And yes. then yes. you have the tempting toppings. So yes. what is your topping of choice when it comes to a gratin? Because it is about the, text, the, the depth and texture, right? You've got creamy yes. goodness, crunchy top. You might have a mm-hmm. cheese pull. There's something mm-hmm. buttery in the mouth feel about it. But what is your yes. first texture, that crunch? What's your topping of choice? If I'm going for crunch, it's panko. Okay. I really love I'm with to you. use panko. And one of the things that I do, like let's say I'm doing like after – Christmas meal when you have ham and potatoes. I make a potato and ham uh, gratin. And what I put on top is I get panko crumbs and put a bunch of butter in a skillet. I saute them up with a lot of pepper, a lot of salt, and then put it on top of the gratin, put it in the oven. So already crunchy Mm. panko gets seared in the pan and then gets cooked even more in the oven. 
so it's super crunchy. Oh, and that's it's delicious. Super buttery. It's really wonderful. Fabulous. So it's like a twice baked. It's like a twice baked. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And you put that on top of mac and cheese, too. It's a great topping for mac and cheese, which is a gratin. A gratin, yes. You know what I want to eat with your um, ham? You said it's a mm-hmm. ham and potato gratin? Ham and potato gratin. I'm yeah. inviting myself over for breakfast so I can put a fried egg on top of that. Oh, that's genius, Jamie. Oh, that's genius. Oh, I think I, I want to do that. I really do. Okay, I'll be right there. Um, okay. Here's my, pe- my best panko tip. Do you ever find... Mm-hmm. Okay, so you could use any topping. You could use panko. You could use breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They could be plain or seasoned. Mm-hmm. You can use mm-hmm. day-old bread or the half a loaf you have in the freezer and make breadcrumbs from it. And then I would toast Absolutely. them the way you do in butter, mm-hmm. salt, pepper, dried herbs, whatever you want to add, and then twice bake them again. Mm-hmm. But sometimes yeah. if I want a finer breadcrumb and I want to use panko, I put yeah. the panko in the food processor. Have you ever done oh, that? No, I never have. I always try to keep it more crunchy. More That's crunchy. And so if I'm out of breadcrumbs, for instance, and I'm making Parmesan yeah. chicken tenders for my son, right. mm-hmm. I will grind the panko. And they get crunchy. It gets like thin, crispy layer that way. Just an alternative. Wow. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's really good, actually. Um, and, you know, there are, and I'll admit to doing it, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Potato chips. Oh. Using potato chips as a topping. Now you're talking. I know. Crunched up Doritos. There are a lot of those snack foods that you put on top. (sighs) Oh, I I love it. I have to tell you, it's, boy, when you're jonesing for something really (laughs) great, it's great. Okay. It's a great topic. You call me when you make Dorito mac and cheese, please. (laughs) You call me. You know, I'm thinking outside the box now, but I mean, you could really use like pork rinds in your gratin topping. That's a great idea. They're mm-hmm. fatty and great crunchy idea. and yummy. Absolutely. That's a great idea. And uh, if you're keto, you can put it on something exactly. that allows you to stay keto. Yes. That's great. Okay. We have to have like a gratin challenge to see who has the off. best, a gratin off, who has the best uh, reimagined topping. I love that. Okay. And when it comes to cheese, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's inside or on top, do you do a mm-hmm. mix in your gratin? Are you just, you know, big on Parmesan? What's your go-to? I, I do a mix. I tend to go more toward the European melting cheeses. Mm. Like, I love Gruyere, Conte, uh, Emmentaler, uh, even just Swiss. Uh, I kind of go more toward that. I do use Parmesan, but I kind of mix that in with, if I use another cheese, yes. or I'll mix it with my, if I'm using a bread topping, like a breadcrumb topping or a panko topping, I'll mix it in with that on the top. That's smart. And so yeah. you get kind of a saltier yes. flavor on the top, and then you also get this wonderful, very smooth and melty cheese inside. I love thank talking you. food with you. You know that. And mm, I thank you again too. for coming back to share your passion. You can find David Leet's Daily Dish of Deliciousness at llccooks.com. I have it right. lccooks.com. You can always go to Leeds Culinaria. But yes, I like the shortcut. Uh, Please follow David on social, at David Leet. 
And stay tuned for more delicious inspiration in your radio next month. Happy holidays, my friend, to you and the one, and so much love to you. And to you thank and you. Jagger and your mom. Thank you, thank you. As the delicious conversation continues, we have the best culinary thinkers on this show. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. Okay, grab a glass, pour yourself a glass of wine, and get ready to be enlightened. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, Sipping and Savoring. Please meet Flora Chang, founder and vintner of Plinth Wine. Her journey into wine was a pilgrimage from science to soil, from metropolis to mountaintop. And she got her start in the wine world, running her family-owned Nine Sons Winery and Ho Yi Vineyard. In that role, she crafted and shared beautiful wines, encompassing everything from winemaking to the operations and hospitality. And it's her great passion for wine that took root in extraordinary ways. She is a female trailblazer in the wine world and found her way to Napa, but every experience leading up to it laid the foundation for her journey. She had a career as a pharmacist, accrued a knowledge of chemistry, and continues to dig deeper. Today, she's building wine brands with sold-out allocations like Plinth Wine and elevating wine from... I would say a beautiful beverage to an ultimate delight. So we are embarking on a discussion of harvest, the state of the wine world today and more. And it is my pleasure to have you on the show. Flora, welcome. And thank you for gracing the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. And happy holidays to you. Um, Happy holidays to you as well. I find your background quite fascinating and I love to highlight vintners and winemakers and wine lovers on my show. Um, But I was especially fascinated by the San Francisco Chronicle article about late harvest this year. And so I'd like to kick off with that because it is my understanding from reading the article that you harvested very late. And I think that says something about climate and more that we all want to understand. Just to give a little bit of historical context with climate change happening Previous vintages, so previous years where we harvested grapes, it was actually getting earlier and earlier into the season. So whereas we typically would have harvested grapes at the end of September into October, um, the years, I would say, between 2011, really starting 2012 through 2021, um, the harvest had been creeping up as early as August in some years. And this was really owed to the fact that it was just warmer. And so the grapes uh, had to come off the vines a little bit earlier. Yes. Now, this year was actually a cooler vintage. And so it was cooler and it was wet really early on in the season. So during the winter, we had a lot of rain, which was very welcome. And what this meant was we had a later harvest compared to the last decade, But in some ways, it was actually reverting back to what was standard prior to 2011, 2010. 
Interesting. Okay, so as a whole, like if you're looking all-encompassing, what does that allow you to, or maybe not at all allow you to forecast for future years? I mean, it creates a much more inconsistent uh, method of planning if it, if I'm not mistaken. I've had the privilege of going to Crush once in Napa. It was the most glorious experience. I think you should charge a million dollars a bottle for what it takes to put grapes from a vine into glass and I, I think it's, it's all about chemistry, which is really your background. And to be honest, I think while it certainly makes for difficult planning, the reality in winemaking is there's only so much planning you can do. Right. I think one of the most remarkable things about winemaking is that you plan some and then you just have to adjust to what Mother Nature hands mm. you. Yes. So, for example, in a year like 2020, that was extraordinarily difficult for us. We actually decided not to make wine at all. Huh. Um, in a year like 2021, it was, quite frankly, almost like a reward for what we had been put through in 2020. It was just a superb vintage. And then in uh, 2023, we had a later harvest and a wetter winter. So hmm. I think that's one of the nice things about winemaking because no two vintages will be alike. And it is truly a record of what was happening in that year. And when we open a bottle years on, we remember exactly what was <laughs> going on with the climate, with, um, with what was happening in the cellar. It, for us, it's truly bottled memories. Yeah, no doubt. Fascinating to me. What is it like to be a woman-founded wine brand, to be a female vintner? I, I would think similar in my culinary experience. I mean, We've come a long way, and I say that cumulatively. I'm very admiring of your perseverance and success. But I come from an industry that was, you know, majority male. And I very much believe the wine world has elevated, and you've been a a beautiful part of that. Yes. um, I think this is a great time to be a woman in the wine industry, much like the culinary realm. It has evolved. Mm -hmm. Women are much more prominent as winemakers, as vintners. Um, And I don't want to take away from the fact that the first brand was a family-owned brand, and it was my husband and I. Uh, But this one is truly being pretty much uh, led by me. And what's encouraging is that isn't something that people scoff at. It, It seems like enthusiasts, wine collectors... They really are in it for the purity of the wine. They Mm. love knowing the hands and lands from which uh, the wines are made. I always say that that's truly what we're trying to share when we're sharing a bottle is Mm -hmm. so that they get to know the land from which it comes and the people behind it. It's been that way, and I think it's a wonderful time to be a woman in the wine industry. Fabulous. What a philosophy. I, I think if we all thought more about rising all ships the world would be a better place, no doubt. Um, You are committed to luxury. I will tell you, your um, bottle itself, the label specifically, is one of the most beautiful I have ever seen. And your plinth wine is all about the details, the process from the vineyard to soil and vessels, etc. But just give us a bit of background about your passion. Yeah, and for me, I think it's a combination. I think if folks take a look at the label, they'll see it's 
I want it to feel luxurious, but that there's a certain levity there, um, a great spirit to life. And so when it comes to the actual label design, I worked with an incredible artist in France. This was actually her first and I believe only wine project. She had previously worked on luxury uh, products that we see mostly in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we together came up with this concept of a bon vivant who travels the world and mm-hmm. shares his stories and his wines while being very, very deeply rooted from where he came, which is the Napa Valley. So no matter where our mascot, who is prominently displayed on all of our bottles, goes, he puts something down, and that means the wines and the stories which he shares, and he picks something up, and he has something in his rucksack from all the places he's traveled. Uh, But what he's sharing is merriment, luxury, sort of the good life with an appreciation for what it takes to create a product that is truly handmade and is of the land, so to speak. Um, And in terms of the attention to detail, uh, I think my winemaking team probably gets frustrated uh, (laughs) how many countless hours is spent on this, but that's truly what they also love to do. Everything that goes into the winemaking process, from the selection of the grapes, to the selection of the barrels. We work with incredible coopers, the folks who make the actual oak barrels uh, that the wine is aged in. They're all made by hand in France. We are very, very selective on the toast uh, to make sure that we're getting the right kind of quality showcasing in the wine. Hmm. So we're really paying attention to every single detail, whether it's what's inside the bottle or what you're seeing on the on the outside as well. Kudos to you. Very admiring uh, and very fascinated by the road you and the path that you've chosen to take. And it is my delight to highlight a female vintner and to bring to light for those that don't know Plinth a captivating wine story, a beautiful journey, uh, and extraordinary sips. And I wish you continued success. If you'd like to learn more about Flora Chang and her passion of plinth, it's P-L-I-N-T-H, you can go to plinthwine.com and you can follow on Instagram and Facebook at plinthwine, of course. Um, I can't wait to taste your new vintage, and I hope to have the opportunity to meet you on my next trip up to Napa. But once again, kudos to you for your passion, for your talent, for your due diligence and continuing to elevate the wine world as a, a female trailblazer. So thank you, Flora. Thank you. Thank you so much. Fabulous. As the delicious conversation continues, now I'm thirsty. Uh, grab a glass or a plate and come on back. There is lots more fabulous food and wine in your radio right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Okay, prepare yourself because we're about to get fresh 
Welcome back. Tis the season. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. When you think tasty, tangy, tart, sweet, and delicious, you think Melissa's Produce, providing quality produce to chefs and restaurants and grocery stores for 30 plus years now. I'm very proud and grateful to have Melissa's as a partner on this show since my inception more than 20 years ago, and their products just keep getting sweeter. You know Robert Schuler. He's our resident produce guru and the director of all things delicious for Melissa's, and he is here to increase your fruit and veggie knowledge for the holiday season. Happy holidays to you, Robert. Um, first off, can we talk winter citrus, please? Because those blood oranges are so decadent. I've been savoring them, by the way. I put them in my cocktails. I made curd. They've been in every chicken dish. They are so good this year. Yes. Um, so we are just leading into the California citrus season. Yum. And, you know, the bounty for late fall, early winter are all these different varieties of citrus that are available to us. I know most people know that there's oranges and lemons and limes and grapefruits available on a year-round basis, but there's these specialty varieties um, that are are, uh, just delicious not only to cook with, but they have different sweetnesses and acid, Mm -hmm. and yes, items like blood oranges, which are a great cooking orange variety, they're less um, they're less acid and they are sweet and chefs just love working with them. Now, looking on the lemon side there, it's those uh, sweeter Meyer lemons. Mm. The Meyer lemons have a thinner skin. You can use their um, you can use their um, skin. They're zest. pale. Yeah. Yes, and they just have a, a sweetness and a lower acidity and it makes a great cooking lemon as well. Now, if you're looking at other varieties of citrus, I would recommend uh, if you've never tried kumquats. It would make a great yeah. uh, tart, but acidic, yeah, sweet tart, right? In every bite, yeah, yes. they're, they're so small. Good. They're yeah, they're they're small. Uh, uh, you know, about the a size of your thumb, and uh, the whole thing is entirely edible. And those are just some of the exciting citrus varieties that are available there. I happen to love to make candied kumquats, as you know, at the holidays. They are the most Mm -hmm. decadent garnish for chocolate desserts because you really offset the richness of the chocolate with that uh, candied uh, citrus and you get the sweet tart. It brings out the flavor. Um, all of these citrus are actually combined. And speaking of tis the season, we should talk about how you can order all of your gifts, like literally do all your gift giving at melissas.com because you have a beautiful array of gift baskets. Some of them are made up of fresh. Some of them are like shelf stable snacks, right? That don't require refrigeration or quick shipping. Um, And the winter citrus crate is one of my favorite things to send at the holidays because it gives uh, food lovers an opportunity to taste a bevy of what's available from Melissa's. The citrus crate is still available, right? Yes, and it's okay, a, it'll good. be available all through spring. Love it. Love it, love it. Okay. Um, can we talk a tamale party, please? It's a lot of years that, a lot of years running, I should say, that Melissa's had a tamale party and invited all of us uh Melissa's fans, I'd call us, to a tamale party. I never knew it could be so easy with a kit 
And there is something of the season to making tamales. And it's really easier than you think. Well, we make it easy because we offer these tamale kits, especially for people who've never made tamales before. You know, if you Google on how to make tamales, it seems like such a timely and difficult process. But in our tamale kits, we have the corn husk-like parchment paper that can easily wrap the mazeca mix, which is in there. And basically, the mazeca is the, 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 the powder, the grain that you add water to. I like to use broth. So there's a package you just mix up, you spread it then onto the, the corn husk tamale parchment that's already in the kit. Yeah, and then so you just, smart. Um, on your own, put your favorite tamale ingredients, whether it's cheese, whether it's chili, whether it's shredded chicken. Basically, this tamale kit would allow you to put together 12 tamales um, in less than an hour. There are a bevy of beautiful gift-giving options on the Melissa's website at melissas.com. And tis the season. You can wrap up your holiday shopping, enjoy the season of celebration. If you use code HOLIDAY23, you get 15% off selected items. So check it out, melissas.com for all your gift giving needs. Robert, will you please come back beginning of next year once your predictions are made as to what 2024 will show us, what's new on the horizon for Melissa's? Great, most definitely. Thank you. I'd love to have you. I'm very proud to call you my friend for so many years. So thank you for sharing Mm. your knowledge here. And a very happy holiday season to you and your family. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gloriously delectable conversation. I hope you enjoyed the camaraderie, that you found it inspiring and a little bit indulgent and that it made you proud to be a food lover. It will continue in the weekends to come and into 2024. And I thank you for listening as I celebrate my 20th year on the radio. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of uh, gastronomic conversation for this hour. It is the perfect holiday appetizer Uh, or hors d'oeuvre, I should say. And it's one that everyone loves because who doesn't love spinach artichoke dip, right? It's everything you love about everyone's favorite dip, but there's no need for chips. You can bake or air fry, pour a glass of wine, and you have the ultimate snack. I call them my spinach and artichoke wonton bites. And I will show you in video and in print how to take a wonton wrapper and make the perfect crispy vessel for a super simple homemade spinach artichoke dip. You use a mini muffin pan. They bake up in about 12 minutes. And I'm telling you, you will be a culinary hero. I am posting the recipe on social, Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, whatever you call it, and more at Chef Jamie Gwen. And it's posted now. My spinach and artichoke wonton bites. Oh, and by the way, you're welcome. They're just that good. (laughs) I'll meet you here at the table next weekend when there's lots more to celebrate. Once again, I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. Don't forget chefjamie.com and on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. I hope you continue to eat well. 